were talking about uh, car thieves a little earlier. The car is the modern horse. What do you think about uh, hanging uh, car thieves? Yeah, I'd be fine with that. I'd course, be there absolutely wasn't horse insurance back in the old west. But. And if you invited me to the hanging, I would go, which oh, is a boy. tease for our segment oh, coming up oh, about the big boy. election today for U.S. Senate. More on that in a little bit if you don't know what we're talking about. So, Putin and Russia took part of Ukraine a couple years ago. Right, Crimean Peninsula. The world said you can't do that. Uh, nobody actually stopped him, and he still has that chunk of Ukraine. Um, now he's even getting froggier and jumping more. And I was thinking to myself, and Ukraine is uh, on a war footing and saying, we're willing to do battle over this. And I was thinking to myself, how would that turn out? I don't have the slightest idea of the military capacity of one Ukraine versus Russia. Well, and the reaction to the international community would be a huge factor in the outcome. And on that note, please welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show. After too long an absence, Mike Lyons, CBS News military analyst. Hello, Mike. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Great to be back with you. Hope your Thanksgiving was pleasant. Yeah, same with you guys. I hope uh, hope it went well. Here's something I didn't know. I, I, I remembered the story that Ukraine gave up their nuclear arsenal as part of a deal, and the United States was part of that deal and saying, look, you don't need a nuclear arsenal. We'll protect you if anything ever happens. Ukraine had the third biggest nuclear arsenal on the planet behind only the United States and Russia, and they gave it up. Because they were told they'd be protected if they ever had to do battle with the big bad Russia. And Russia would honor their territorial boundaries as well. So now what? Okay, so first of all, the nuclear arsenal that they had was was, was old and it would needed to be maintained. And they didn't have the intellectual capital, let's say, in order to do that. So it just made a lot of sense uh, when they did that. And that was part of the you know, kind of the breakup of the former Soviet Union. So it, it's not surprising. And it's something you look back then and say, 20, you know, 25 years ago, you go, that was probably a good idea. Because at that point, we didn't know what kind of country Ukraine was. And for them to have nuclear weapons was not going to be a good idea. So but you're talking about the Budapest uh, Memorandum of Security Assurances that was signed back then. But it's, um, you know, nothing's ever happened from it. It's not like NATO or anything, but the United States and the U.K. in particular have said that um, they would uh, come to their defense if anything happened. Uh, obviously, that is not worth the paper it's printed on right now. Right. So that's the historical context. What has happened in recent days? Yeah. So now you've got the, the Russians doing you know classic Russian stuff. They move forward with uh, this uh, seizing of naval vessels, and then they kind of take a couple steps back. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the calculation of what's going on in the world right now. United States, our media is just you know so focused on throwing anything at Donald Trump at this point with you know caravans at the Mexican border and and the whole thing, thinking that they wouldn't they would be distracted by this. Um, and and they look to control key terrain. They've they've really militarized really the Black Sea, which is this area, this this Kirk Strait, what, what we're talking about here. If um, if they control that now, it just makes this land bridge from Russia to Crimea a lot easier, and it's just it's all about you know Russian imperialism as it looks to move and expand its boundaries. Right. So those of us who are following this know what Mike's talking about. But what happened was the Russians rammed one Ukrainian ship, seized a couple of others, took tw- was it twenty three or twenty five. Yeah, 23, uh, I think. So. Uh, yeah. Ukrainian uh, naval personnel hostage, mm-hmm. including several that are injured, one critically by some reports, um, and, and are holding them. It was a clear right. act of war in what was international waters, and Vladimir Putin, as is his style, is now waiting to gauge international reaction. What's the reaction been so far? 
you know, condemnation. It's the kind of, you know, the, the, what we see before. What, what do all, you know, what, what happens in the world these days when, when these kinds of things happen? We condemn them, and then we come up with this kind of Chinese menu of things that, that we can do. Um, No-fly zone. Well, I, I'm not sure that's going to matter at this point. Sanctions. We're going to throw sanctions on the Russians. I mean, I don't, I don't know what more we can sanction unless we go after some individuals and oligarchs. And, but, but we, you know, we talk a good game with all those things. But it's just, it's all... It's all reactive. None, none of the countries, and this is because it's not just the United States that doesn't show the lead in this, because the previous administration did nothing when they actually you know, rolled tanks into Crimea. Um, and so you know, there's just no leadership within Europe, no stomach within Europe to take care of this uh, as well. Well, so, so I want to deal with the reality of the world. I would rather not bluster if we're not going to do anything. Uh, than than say strong things and do nothing. I think that makes you look weaker. When the Obama administration, we all remember John Kerry saying, right. "This will not stand. It's a yep. it's a 19th century action in a 21st century world." Well, you know, you talk like that and then don't do anything. It makes you look weak. I'd rather we just keep our mouths shut if we're not going to do anything. So, is there any chance, as this was by all reports, international waters? Is there any chance we send the United States Navy in there? Just say, "Hey, we're going to sail. We like the scenery around here." Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think this administration will do that. I think you're seeing the first element of national power come to play right now. You saw this morning Secretary Pompeo release a statement saying the U.S. condemns what happens. But this gets back to this fundamental question, are we willing to go to war over this situation, Ukraine and Russia? And it just you know gets back to U.S. entanglements and whether or not we're willing to do it. And, um, you know, in some ways, to your point, you can't just, you know, speak that loudly unless you're willing to back it up. And in some cases, we should just not say anything. Right. I, I don't I don't see what, you know, again, a war between Ukraine and Russia would last, you know, 15 minutes with 400,000 Russian troops on the border there. Um, and it would be a disaster, obviously. But but unless it gets escalated, this is how the First World War started. When you think about it, you look and everyone's looking for analogies. This is this is where these kinds of things happen. If we if we decide to take this entanglement about a treaty that took place 25 years ago and involved the U.S. military in it, I think uh, we're going to be in for a long haul. Well, and sticking with the World War One analogy, the reason countries were willing to jump in is they feared they were next. I don't think we feel, you know, we're not worried we're next with Russia going into Ukraine, and I don't think Germany's worried about it. So they're not going to do anything. Yeah, and then perhaps some of those smaller former Soviet bloc countries that are now inside of NATO think they're going to be threatened, and he hasn't gone there yet. <clears throat> but 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 Ukraine is definitely within his sights, and if you do look at it from through his eyes, to have this kind of NATO um, uh, alliance or to have this kind of ally of the United States on his border, it creates a threat for him. I mean, we have to. I, I'm not saying you know we should be that sympathetic to Vladimir Putin here, but from his perspective of his security, he doesn't want to have uh, U.S. assets inside of Ukraine spying on Russia and spying on their capability on the border. So I don't. I don't know if we ask you to give opinion or not. I don't remember. But so, do you think Trump should, as as president of the United States? stand up to this or do you think he should just let it go because we're not going to do anything about it it gets back to this question of this is this a fight that we think is worth fighting and, and worth you know going for if we think we're going to win and what's again that so protect whose interests ukraine's interests so what are our interests 
Right. Our, our interests are nothing more than this whole concept of preventing this from happening to another country. Um, uh, let me let me interject one more thing, Mike, and maybe you want to include this in your analysis. Uh, because And listen, not every slope is slippery. I do a lot of hiking. Some of them you can walk up and down. It's just fine. Uh, but I'm thinking of China and the South China Seas and how they're trying to make claims on international waters and prevent you know, the uh, navigation of international waters. Do we... Is our our main interest in this standing up for the right of of free passage through international waters? Yeah, that's a good point. And and the difference though is we've got the fleet, the Pacific Fleet, that's inside the South China Sea, protecting who are clearly our economic interests and um, other alliances there that are that are probably a lot stronger than what we go on with with Ukraine right now. And we can't necessarily navigate into the Black Sea here without it looking like a provocation. You, you know, in, in the South China Sea, there's a more real estate to deal with. Putin knows he can take this area because if all of a sudden you see U.S. naval assets swim into the, the Black Sea, you know, the question is going to be asked, like, what are they doing there? What are they going to be there for? We're going to start protecting that shipping lane. Then that, that could escalate very quick. We just we have to be ready. If we're going to do that, we've got to be ready to start shooting. And I, I just don't think we're at that spot. So your calculation is probably the same as Putin's that he can do this and nobody's going to stop it. That's it. And he's done this before. Um, and he'll go to a point where he doesn't, you know, believes that he won't be able to go any further. But but he again, he wants to control Ukraine without occupying it. And if he does this by influencing the southern part of the country, which is actually pro-Russia, speaks Russian primarily, and if he can control those politicians, he actually ends up controlling Ukraine without occupying it. In a perfect world, that's what he wants to do. He doesn't have to expend the military resources. It also extends his his, his status back home because this makes him look strong in the eyes of the Russian people. Terrific explanation as always. Mike Lyon, CBS News military analyst. Mike, thanks a million. Great to talk to great you. Guys. Thanks for having me. Well done. Uh, that, that's great. That's, that is exactly the way the world works. Well, uh, yeah, and, and Putin, Putin gets it. He just he understands that. Jack, as I so often do, I'd like to quote Thucydides, the great uh, Greek uh, historian. Uh, the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they must. That is the way of the world, and Ukraine is weak, and it will do what Russia says it can. It'll do what Russia permits. Well, and countries do what's in their their own self-interests, and, and we're not worried about Russia, obviously, invading us after this. Germany's not worried about it. No. The, the big players... No, it's an impossibility. All right. And 25 years from now, Russia's going to be even weaker than it is, so... You know, I, I, the uh, the testosterone-filled man in me thinks, no, Putin, you don't get to do that. Those are international waters. You don't get to snatch up sailors and ram ships and shoot at people just as some sort of brutish show of strength. But he does. He does get to do that. Sometimes I think John Kerry had it completely wrong. And this will be my final thought, that we have 21st century attitudes in a... 18th century world. Boy, I think you're. I think <laughs> you are absolutely yeah, right. Completely backwards. The world hasn't changed and never will. We've got these new attitudes of fairness that don't fit in with the reality that still exists. Oh my God, this is one of your finest thoughts ever. It should be your final thought. We should probably go to break so Jack doesn't ruin his own thought. <laughs> Seriously, what a classroom professor thing to say in a brutal world. Yeah. 
Um, we got an interesting uh, race for the Senate going on in Mississippi. And Trump's- race is the key word, Jack. Well, race has become the pivotal issue. You got a white Republican running against a black Democrat, and Trump did two rallies there yesterday because one more Republican in the Senate could really help him out with a lot of things. What is one of the key issues? A gaff. We- wait till you hear it. Oh, Stay boy. tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Before we get to Cindy Hyde-Smith versus Espy in Mississippi, which they're voting today, um, and Marshall's news coming up, uh, back to the border, and we got to get into this whole tear gas question, because a number of top... It's a chemical weapon. A number of top Democrats went crazy over the whole tear gas thing yesterday. If you haven't heard uh, the senator from Hawaii and the governor of California sounding off on that, stay tuned, because it's just ridiculously over the top. It's, it's so the age of hyperbole. You can't get any coverage by saying something reasonable, even if it's, well, beyond reasonable, brilliant, persuasive, insightful, powerful. You just can't get any play. You've got to say something insane. This is the greatest age of hyperbole there has ever been. Wow, well said. In my Well opinion. said. So Mississippi not doing itself any favors. There are many. Fabulous people in Mississippi. There is much beautiful landscape. There is seashore. Oh, I freaking love the South. Oh. I freaking love the South. What I like about the South, and I took my the last vacation I took before I had kids, I drove around Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, places like that. Just I just love that part of the country. We lived in North Carolina for a while. Mm-hmm. Just it has its own culture. It's got its own thing right. that I just really like. It is not as homogenized as the rest of the country is yeah. in a lot of places. And a lot of that culture is absolutely wonderful. There are aspects of it that ain't so cool from a modern perspective, and we don't need to point those out. But Mississippi is not doing itself any favors by running for the Senate. To my mind, a couple of uh, a half talents. Not impressed by either Cindy Hyde Smith or Mike Espy. Unfortunately, not we, to be confused with the ESPN awards every year. They're inf- increasingly irrelevant, starting with when they gave, d- 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 what's her name? Caitlyn Jenner, Sportsman of the Year, or whatever it was. <laughs> God. I'd forgotten that. Ugh. Really? Caitlyn Jenner got Sportsman or of the Year? Person of the Year, whatever it was. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, so um, this is important to the story. Unfortunately, the Republican is a white woman, Cindy Hyde-Smith, and the uh, the Democrat, Espy, is a black guy, and that's important to this. Yes. So she's doing a little speaking engagement with this dude. <laughs> it was a supporter of her. It, doesn't it was matter. a tiny little appearance. Right. But, the, but somebody had their phone out, as they always do. And this was caught on mic. I'm not sure if you'll be able to hear it, but we'll tell you what it said. Well, <laughs> thank you. Uh, the case of Freight Train versus Cindy Hyde Smith. <laughs> Freight Train. The she said of some supporter who's a big wheel and she was kissing up to, if he invited me to a public hanging, I'd be in the front row. 
Meaning, I'd do anything for this guy. What it means is probably a poor choice of words. What it clearly means is I support lynching and wish we could bring it back in the state of Mississippi. See, that's funny. That's not the way I took it. Well, that's uh, similar to what our opponent said, and this is what Mr. Espy has said. They were hurtful to 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 the millions of people in Mississippi of goodwill, who who just can hear what that means, and they can uh, sense that it's a throwback to a bygone era that we're not going back to again. All right, now Is I want it? you to I want you to keep that quote around. Is it? First of all, Mike Espy's a high dollar lobbyist. He lobbied for various murderous warlords in Africa, so. You know, as he so, throws the cloak of morality around his shoulders, you'll, you might notice it doesn't fit terribly well. So he was the Paul Manafort of Africa. What what he, Manafort was doing for uh, various Eastern Europeans, yeah. yeah, yeah, to a large extent. So, and, and this guy was indicted once for uh, essentially bribery. He was not convicted, and a presumption of innocence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but portraying him as some sort of uh, angel is is hilarious. But if he, even if he is, what what's that got to do with her comment? Which is a a, a relatively common expression. Maybe you've heard it before. It's, yeah, it's. I will tell you, it is unfortunate given the South's legacy of lynchings. It's a dumb choice of words, but it's pretty clear what she meant. She was just kissing up to some local big wheel. But I want you to hear Espy again and what he said and how he said it. They were hurtful to, to, to the millions of people in Mississippi of goodwill who, who just can hear what that means and they can uh, sense that it's a throwback to a bygone era that we're not going back to again. All right. So that is an intelligent man who is just fine forming sentences. He's made a career of it. He's made lots of money at it. Struggling. To put together a sentence condemning her because he knows he's got very little to work with. He said, well, that uh, gave us a sense of uh, a hint of a, the flavor of a bygone era that, oh, come on. And, you know, it's funny. I've, I'm a news junkie, so I've been watching lots of coverage of this, this race. There is no coverage. Zero. None. Stop looking for it. You won't find it. No coverage of any issues. I have no idea. Any national policy of tax, of national security, of immigration, of the federal debt, of anything but what this dumb blonde said at a (laughs) gathering of 11 people next to the train tracks, apparently. (laughs) This is the way we're running our country? I have not been following this story. I skip over it, but the only headlines that have reached me are that hanging comment and his response to it. I have no idea what either one of them stands for. I could guess, but, um, you know, like you said, none of the issues have, have mattered for the last several weeks. And it's a pretty close race. Uh, current polls have her ahead, um, as Republicans generally win in Mississippi. But I will, it, it's, some, it's something that that I hope that's not as big an issue in the state as it is for the national media. Read my mind. That's the national media story. That's the drive-by media coverage of that race. Part of it is laziness. It's easier oh. to go with this than to figure out Mississippi tax policies and where they each stand on. Right. If, if you had a two-headed man who could predict the future and was accused of racism, the national media would go with the racist angle. <laughs> Honest to God. It's laziness. So who, maybe they are jawing about important issues in Mississippi, but you're not going to get it from the drive-by. 
a two-headed man that could predict the future. He's been con- accused of racism, Jen. <laughs> Apparently, he said something about a public hanging. Oh, my God. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Democrats' Twitter storm against the tear gas incident at the border. Ah, uh, my friends, breathe easy. Romaine is safe again, and uh-uh. Forbes has issued its 2018 highest-paid TV host list. Go, <laughs> oh, okay. finally. Okay. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. to know everything it's impossible to know everything in the uh the, the modern world with the way the news cycle works and every and so many people are spinning stories mm-hmm. it's really difficult but if we're wrong about this next segment and what we're about to uh say feel free to interject i think this was one of the worst days for journalism and i don't know how long yesterday a strong statement yeah it is it really is. But let's, yeah, the more I think about it, the stronger I realize it is. Let's get to the news now with Marshall Phillips. All kinds of reaction to the U.S. Border Patrol tear, tear gassing the migrants. California Governor-elect Gavin Newsom has condemned the use of the tear gas by the U.S. on the migrants attempting to cross the U.S. border near San Diego over the weekend. I'm sorry, who condemned it? This is California Governor-elect Gavin Newsom. No, Gavin. I remember when you had pride. Listen to this. Newsom tweeting after Sunday's confrontation, quote, These children are barefoot, in diapers, choking on tear gas. Women and children who left their lives behind seeking peace and asylum were met with violence and fear. That is not my America. We are a land of refuge, of hope, of freedom, and we will not stand for this. I've got much to say. I'll wait until after we hear from the senator from Hawaii. Spoken like a seven-year-old, Gavin, or somebody (laughs) with no grasp of reality, or a canny politician. Yeah, or someone who... Demagoguing an issue for their base. I actually would say the opposite. He has a complete grasp of reality. Exactly. And that's what he's doing. Well, yeah, my my three-part answer was clearly pointing out that no serious human being could hold that attitude. No adult could. He must be a canny politician. Again, I'm holding my fire, if you will. I will not fire the tear gas at you. The tear gas of your ideas. Until we've heard from the senator from Hawaii. That would be a Hawaii Democratic senator. Stinging the hell out of the eyes of your perceptions. Stay with us. (laughs) Wow. That would be Hawaii Democratic Senator Brian Schatz. Yeah, the appropriately named Schatz. Who tweeted his outrage in a series of messages. First, reading, tear tear gas across the border against unarmed families is a new low. Then he tweeted, who gave the order? Did it implement or contravene policy? And then he tweeted, who gave the order in all caps? Then he followed it up with, why tear gas? Is this consistent with the Convention on Chemical Weapons? (laughs) He later deleted that tweet before retreating to a suggestion that those uncomfortable with the use of tear gas against children should join a coalition of the moral and the same. Oh, for God's sake. Well, one of the reasons he was comfortable in making that claim about it being, you know, use of illegal chemical weapons or whatever the hell. I'm looking at this Washington Post article from yesterday. Why tear gas lobbed at migrants on the southern border is banned in warfare. And it goes through this just overwrought description of how we train our own soldiers with tear gas and how difficult it is for them to handle it and to use it on the international stage and blah, 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 all this crap without pointing out 
And this has been documented a whole bunch of different places. And again, if you can find uh, information contrary to this, feel free to point it out. The Obama administration did this a number of times, including one instance in which, see if this sounds familiar, migrants charged at the border and we shot tear gas canisters at them. Who under, gave the order? Under the Who o- gave the order? Obama. Under the Obama administration. And it happened a number of times, actually, during the eight years he was president. The same exact same, the not a, for the same reasons the in the exact, same way, and the media acting like and and politicians acting like this is just Donald Trump more out of control than he's ever been. This might be the worst day for journalism ever. That they 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 overlooked that. Right? Aren't you just lying to people oh, if you not, don't point out on MSNBC? Of course, the Obama administration did exactly the same thing for exactly the same reasons. Right. And the uh, what uh, the Pueblo San sends Fronteras or whatever. Not. Right. I'm getting an old Peter Gabriel yes, song mixed are. up with it. The uh, No Borders activist right. people. They push the women and children up front. Then they chuck rocks. Reporters embedded with the caravan have pointed that out many many times. But Journalism, as you're using the term, Jack, is practically dead. It's advocacy. It's reality-based drama TV. you got to whip up the story. You don't turn on a TV drama and have them say, these two folks probably won't get divorced. They're yelling at each other right now in this scene, but don't worry about it. They'll mend fences. No, that's not the way you you build drama. We're just trying to whip everybody up. For a U.S. senator to suggest the president used illegal chemical warfare is just, I mean, that's so over the top. It is, it's absurd. It it really is uh, literally... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's ridiculous. It is worthy of ridicule. All right, one other note, a health note, a health note. Romaine lettuce is safe again. Finally, bring on my Caesar salad. Just Don't spare be- the anchovies. Just before Thanksgiving, the FDA was urging everyone to throw out their romaine lettuce due to an E. coli outbreak. Apparently, it's sickened a number of people in 12 states. E. coli. But now the FDA's released <laughs> hey, the statement. Hey, stop pooping on lettuce. Whoever's doing that, knock yeah. it off. It's rude. It uh, is rude. Two lettuce. It's two lettuce. Huh? huh? Uh, Romains, uh, they go in Caesar salads. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a very complex joke. Yes, it was. Lettuce. That was, you know what? Too sophisticated for the crowd. <laughs> I'll take my monocle out next time. The <laughs> FDA releasing a statement saying most likely source of the contamination is from lettuce grown in California's central coast. Yeah, as I suspected. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, Monterey County. <laughs> All right, one final note. We'll go through this Forbes 2018 list of the highest paid TV hosts. It has just been released. The top five from fifth to first place. In fifth place, you've got Mr. Steve Harvey with $44 million. Oh, oh my God. I was about to say, I'm always blown away by the numbers. Steve Harvey, yes, who I saw a little of the other day, and the, the way they mock him on Saturday Night Live is basically just a 100% accurate portrayal of what he is. Right. Makes 40-some million dollars a year. Yes. Oh, my God. God, now, this, you ought to be mocking who? Is this totaling his multiple? Because he does yes. like the family, yeah, family feud, feud and the got, others. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh it's my God, fake. you're you're bigger than almost every rock star in the world, right? Steve Harvey, right? And in fourth place, it is the lovely and talented Ryan Seacrest with seventy four million dollars. Good Lord, jeez, are you ready? Wow. For- <sighs> 
That's, that's, some, that's fourth place. That's some serious dough. Yeah, are you ready for third place? I know you're going to like this one. Hold on. It is Dr. Phil with $77.5 million. God, that proves, as I say every year, that there is no God. Right. Those of you who believe in the Almighty, please square those two things for us. Dr. Phil, who's a complete charlatan, makes $75 million a year. To be fair, he only exploits, you know, mentally damaged people. Right, exactly. <laughs> and right. a strong second place showing for Ellen DeGeneres, $87.5 million. Do we have wow. any of our Dr. Phil clips around or what? Michael, are you busy with some technical issue in there probably? So, uh, did, did you say the... The, the hoes are laughing. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I, I just, if only we'd still been on Dr. Phil at the time. I just The I, hoes are laughing. Right. I just I just love how he, he he acts like he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. And apparently people fall for it. I'm I'm, I'm just I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little con- confused. I'm, confused. I'm not sure I heard you correctly. As a down to earth homespun Texan, I'm not sure I understand. Catch me outside, is that what you said? I'm in my little tie and my little shoes. What the hell does that mean? God, he's well, a, that was a legitimate question. He's an evil person. <laughs> Certainly, and we're only up to number three. No, so Ellen DeGeneres, how much did you say? Eighty-seven and a half million dollars. So why do so many people? talk about Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert and who's going to get to Tonight Show and all that sort of stuff. They make a lot of money. I think Letterman made 35 or something like yep. that at his height. But that's dwarfed by Ellen DeGeneres. The it's modern not even geeks close. aren't making near that. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you, at the Ellen top... Ellen DeGeneres is bigger than I'll bet Kimmel, Fallon, and Colbert added together. Could very well be. And my friends, at the top of the list, it is none other than Judge Judy. She gets the, the attitude in here is mine. She gets the title of the 2018 highest paid television host with $147 million. <laughs> She's like, she makes, more, she makes more money than GM. That's astonishing. <laughs> Judge Judy's a bigger deal than the Rolling Stones. Yes. I mean, she's just, it's, it's insane. Wow. Uh, and is old. <laughs> $147 million. How many hours does she work a month? For a year, I wonder. I, I would guess she tapes two days a week. And she tapes, well, she might tape one day a week because you could do five shows in a day. And probably for like six, eight months. Right, right. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I found myself watching Judge Judy the other day. I was in a waiting room <laughs> yes. at a doctor's office. And I, I mentioned this at the time. I was simultaneously entertained and I could feel my intelligence being drained out of me. What little there was. I could actually feel myself getting stupider (laughs) watching the show. As these two half-wit chicks were arguing over whether one owed the other money because their dog peed on their mattress. Arguing back and forth. Listen, does your dog pee where it's not supposed to? Well, the problem is she promised. No, no. I asked you. Does your dog pee someplace it's not supposed to sometimes? Well, she promised me that... uh, I need you to answer the question. It just goes on and on. I heard that $100 million of that 144 is just from the syndication yes. deals that yeah. she has. Sure. Yes. But, still, yeah. but still, that's amazing. She's a bigger deal than Elton John or just yeah. any of these giant celebrities that we're amazed by. She's oh, bigger them. than that by you're, far. Your movie stars who are constantly oh, yeah. telling you oh, what yeah. to think and how to vote. Oh, yeah, not even close. They line up outside Judge Judy's armored gates and beg for crumbs. <laughs> There you go. That is a wrap. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The conscience of the nation. Fly. It's a bald eagle right there.
squawky. We're amusing ourselves to death. Huh? Um, we got to get into, I can't believe I skipped over it yesterday, this global warming report that came out Friday after Thanksgiving that's uh, got people who care about global warming really worked up. It's, to me, just amazing. But stay tuned. Uh, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. The nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Trump is tweeting about Manafort. That whole story. Hit you with that in a second. Um, a couple of things I want to mention. We got, boy, we got a lot of texts about that story that Marshall did regarding the brain continues to uh, function maybe for a couple, two, three hours after you die. Yeah, in some Um, cases. It's hard to hear that and not contemplate it, don't you think? We got a lot of texts. Yes, yeah. Maybe I'll get to those later. It's uh, awe-inspiring and troubling and, 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 and leads the mind in many directions. I'm having trouble listening to you today. All I can hear is kisses on tour, kisses on tour, kisses on tour. What? I had to Google it. So Kiss, the rock band of the 70s, is uh, touring Northern America. So, From the reports I've taken in, they want to rock and roll all night. And while we were off last week, the Rolling Stones announced their big stadium tour that they're Finally. doing. They're doing f- only NFL football stadiums. So if you want to see a bunch <laughs> of 80-year-olds... Uh, in a football stadium, you're going to get your chance, and I know a lot of you do. So, I mean, it'll be packed, and, you know, it's an opportunity of a lifetime, et cetera, et cetera, but that's something. As you know, I am a Stones freak, and the idea of going to see them in a football stadium right now is repugnant to me. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, listen, I'm going to offend people here. That's what I do. That's why I have no friends. Baby boomers checking off I've seen the Rolling Stones off their list. That's what it is. I just, the, their shows are not good right now. Their stadium shows. You get them in a theater, and you'll realize they ain't lost a thing. But the stadium shows are just not that good. I really like Hearing Mick shout his way through their greatest hits, I just don't get it. I really like their last album. Of course, the, if, the you're not really, album. if you're not into it like, yo, know, it's terrific. And if you're not into it like me, I guess seeing the Stones play their greatest hits, what the hell do I care if you want to do that? Go ahead and do it. Enjoy yourself. Why would you listen to my opinion anyway? Reminds me, Clapton's got a new Christmas album out that I like. It's pretty good. Um, Classics or like uh, attempting to write new Christmas songs? A little of both. Okay. A little of both. Uh, But i got to hit you with this. This story came out Friday. It's getting a lot of attention, and, 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 and politicians are sounding off on it, and Here's the headline from the New York Times. I laughed at the headline, but a lot of people are just horrified by it and taking it seriously. Climate change could slash the size of America's economy by 10% by 2100 That's unless right. major action is taken, a federal government study shows. So I am supposed to be concerned about an economic pred- prediction based on whether... right. 82 years, years in the from future. now. Right, exactly. Yeah. They can't tell me what the weather's going to be like this weekend or what the stock market's going to do today. Right. But they're predicting 
two things you can't predict coming together at one point 80 years from now. Correct. And the United States is supposed to craft policy around that projection. That is going to make it, you know, more difficult for your business to survive. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but it's being taken very seriously by a lot of people. As I've said many times, I'm agnostic on the whole climate change thing. I'm just curious. I'm interested to know what's going on. But I'm, you know, but if the United States were to implement every single method and and measure that is advocated by climate activists, and we didn't get virtually the entire world to go along with it. The effect it would have would be tiny, incremental, insignificant, according to the very scientists who are sounding the alarm, and would absolutely ruin the economy, not 82 years from now, but like next year. Doing something useless but damaging so we can feel enlightened does not seem like a great national policy to me. I'm not I'm not an economist or a meteorologist like Stalin, um, and and I didn't read this Stalin, report. Stalin actually a meteorologist. Keep that in mind as you watch your local <laughs> TV uh, weather. <laughs> I didn't read the report, so you could really easily accuse me of having no idea what I'm talking about. On the other hand, maybe I do have an idea what I'm talking about because the idea that you can predict anything, and I mean anything about the economy 82 years from now is laughable sure it's laughable who knows what are going to be the driving industries 82 years from now for the world for the united states who has the slightest idea wars then then you're going to tie that in with global warming and how meteors and you're going to come up with policies today to try to help with that that just sounds crazy to me my question, will a 160-year-old Mick Jagger be touring Quidditch stadiums? <laughs> or levitation ball now stadiums? that's funny. Or something. <laughs> so Trump's... And did they project that? There was a Manafort thing yesterday. We'll bring you up to speed on that story. Trump's tweeting about it. We probably ought to touch on all that. Sure. Plus, Tucker Carlson. Brilliantly, calmly, and without uh, r- r- strong rhetoric, taking apart the uh, the situation at the border. Stay with us for that. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.